It is time for us to begin. This is January 16th, our Bridges class continuing on the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, the Decalogue. I told you, remember that word, especially if you're ever going to be a contestant on You Bet Your Life or Jeopardy. I've seen that like three or four times, you know, when they ask questions that are somewhat Bible-related. They say, what's a Decalogue? And nobody ever knows. So it just means the ten words. And these are ten words. It's as if the Lord came down to Moses and said, I want to have a word with you. Not just one word, but ten words. And we had better pay attention. Just to catch you up or remind you, this was some one kind of awe-inspiring experience. As you, if, if, if you've read recently in the 19th chapter of Exodus, some of the things that were happening, uh, thunderings and lightnings, uh, a thick cloud, a trumpet exceedingly loud, and all the people were trembling. This was a frightening, terrifying thing to be uh, confronted with the Shekinah glory and presence of God. I don't know if Joe Moore is going to make it here today. We're probably going to have to bur put a burlap sack over his head because I'm sure he's glowing with the Shekinah. That was a great service, Ron, and uh, I, I think he deserved everything. Oh, okay. That is, what a blessing, what a, what a privilege. I hope I can get grandfathered in on one of those. That's a, that's a good deal. So, uh, the, the whole mountain quaked greatly. This is chapter 19, verse 18. And uh, the voice, and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long, waxed louder and louder, uh, Moses spake, and God answered him by voice. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just mentioning these things because we tend to take the presence of God for granted. And uh, years ago, when I, when I was in seminary and I, I visited an older pastor who was in his mid-80s and still actively pastoring, and uh, just a, a precious man of God, Brother Knudsen, and I said, uh, Brother, what, what do you see uh, now that you know, maybe you didn't see 60 years ago when you started in the ministry. And, and this would have been back in the 20s when he started in the ministry. And he said, you know, he said, people just don't reverence God like they ought to. You know, they, they come to church and they're chewing gum, you know, and, and by the way, I didn't look around to see if anybody's chewing gum. We, we never want to purposefully offend anybody, you know, by, by pointing out something. But if it happens accidentally, well then, you know, but... Uh, People just don't have the reverence and the awe and the respect. And just reviewing this, how these commandments came down, really reminds us that uh, the Lord is not one to be trifled with. And I think we would all uh, agree with that. And uh, as we meditate, ruminate, if you will, uh, you know what ruminate means. It's, it's meditating, but it's really chewing a cud. It's, 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 it's how deer are fed. You know, they, they wolf down all that grass, but then after a while, comes back up and they chew on it some more. And uh, it's kind of what we're supposed to do. You come to church, you hear something, you go home and chew on it. And, and think about it. It'll really feed you. And not only will it feed you, it will satisfy your soul. Now, what we've been doing is taking these commandments two at a time. Last week, we looked at coveting and graven images because they seem to go together. Uh, this Sunday, we wanted to take this one, taking the Lord's name in vain, and there's one other one that would go with that. 
I think. Of course, this is an arbitrary decision on my own, but I'd like to get you in on this because there's something about thinking about another one of these commandments that would go along with taking the Lord's name in vain. You want to take a crack at it? Very Which one? You answered it too quick. We didn't have enough participate. Yes, you're exactly right. Bearing false witness because it has to do with words that we, words that we speak. And, uh, you know, I've noticed that uh, lying and, and taking the Lord's name in vain, again, like covetousness and idolatry, can happen very subtly. It kind of creeps in on us. It, it's as though... In the culture and society in which we live, the stink kind of sticks to us. Now, that, that might be a mixing of metaphors, but you know, you get around people and uh, they don't reverence or, or revere the word of the Lord. And before you know, we're, you know we're, we're taking liberty with the Lord's name or using his name in a way that is less than what he deserves. And it just happens. And we have to be on guard for that. that. That's why it's good to always be in church. This church. To be hearing something. To, to get a sense of the awe and the splendor of the presence of God. It's just a good thing for us to do. And to do regular and often. Now, I want to start off with a couple of comments on this taking the Lord's name in vain. which is verse 7 in Exodus chapter 20. Thou shalt not take the Lord, the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. I was raised in church, and I was glad for the things that stuck to me as a result of having precious Christian parents. That was one of the things that stuck to me as, as a young man. I, like... Uh, Ron, Ron and I have visited a lot about this. We both had our period of prodigal wandering. I prefer to call mine prodigal insanity. It was, it was stupid. It was unjustifiable, especially for what I knew growing up. I mean, I had the plan of salvation handed down to me on a silver platter, and yet I purposefully went against it and went out and wallowed in the pig pen, uh, literally and figuratively. But one thing that stuck with me was don't you ever do this. And it's hard when you're in the type of company that I was in that had no convictions about anything, ever. And this was just another one of those things. They would constantly, repetitiously take the Lord's name in vain. And you know what's a hard thing about being a prodigal? You can't say anything about it. I remember I felt this, you know, even as a prodigal, even in the wrong place, living wrong, I felt so bad that they were taking the name of who I knew was the Savior. He wasn't yet my personal savior. Uh, he was certainly dealing with me, but to hear them drag his name through the mud and take precious uh, precepts of scripture, you know, and just make fun of Christians and the fact that they're being saved and the fact of forgiveness of sins, it's a, it's a really tough thing to be a prodigal son and to be kicking against the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But this thing hung on to me and uh, I'm thankful that it did. I said every other bad word, but at least I wouldn't take the name of my Savior or callously mention the Lord. And it just, it's, it's, it's just another reason to, uh, 
uh, encourage people that you know, even if you know some people, you have precious loved ones that are uh, involved in a prodigal journey. Sow those scriptures. Uh, maybe mention something like this, or any scripture that comes to your mind. Mention it to them and let the Lord and His Holy Spirit rake them over the coals. Because we can't. We wish we could, but we can't. It's the Lord and His Spirit that uh, uh, heaps coals of burning fire on their head, to use the proverbial metaphor. So, ways in which uh, taking the Lord's name in vain uh, on a daily basis uh, can vary. Everything from outright swearing to uh, casual mention of the Lord's name in inappropriate ways. And uh, I mentioned this before when we were doing our study on the Lord's Prayer, but uh, how to define taking the Lord's name in vain is, I don't know if, if we ever even think about it, but one of the best stories I've ever heard, we had a niece when she was a little girl. What was she, seven, eight years old? And she's five, five or six, now she's probably mid-30s. And she was in a Christian school, and her and her little girlfriend, just imagine this, two precious little girls, they're in a Christian school, and they're going through the Ten Commandments, and they get to this one, and, and, and they're just talking to one another. They didn't ask the, the schoolmaster, but this one little girl asked the other one, taking the Lord's name in vain, what does that mean? And our niece, just out of this precious, pure heart of a young, precious one, said, well, that's when you mention his name, but you really don't plan on talking to him. <laughs> now, isn't, isn't that a, 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 just a fitting way to say, this is taking the Lord's name, and we hear this all the time, and uh, it, it, it grieves us. You know, not just when people callously ask God to damn something, you know, but, uh, you know, another thing that we need to make, and, and by the way, this, this is another one of these uh, uh, lessons. I, I, I outline my thoughts, but as it's coming out, you know, it, it, it's not coming out in the regimented, you know, scholastic sense as it should. It's, it, it, sometimes I feel these, these lessons, they're, they're kind of like a fat man going through a barbed wire fence. You know, there's just a point here and a point there, and, and that's, you know, we just get what you could get when you get it, and it's, uh, hopefully you'll get a point here and a point there. But the, uh, the ways that people will drag the, the Lord's name uh, in vain, drag him down to the gutter, is by asking the Lord to damn something, and we hear this all the time. I don't have to repeat that. Although I have heard that there's a lot of people and their lifestyle, which is damned by Almighty God, but it's still not our prerogative, you know, to call people that. Uh, it's, it's, it's just not our, our thing that we, uh, we ought to do. And one other thing, the Lord's name, our Lord's name, is the only name that can be taken in vain. Do you ever think about that? Nobody can take any other false God's name, they're already vain, right? Nobody makes a big deal about uh, uh, Krishna, right? One of the many Hindu gods. You ever hear anyone say, oh, Krishna, damn it, or oh, for Krishna's sake? No, they don't ever say that because their names are already vain. Allah, you know, of course, you got to be careful, you know, who you mention this because his followers, well, <laughs> part of their teaching is to kill you. <laughs> And, you know, so you have to be careful, you know, but people, you know, don't say, oh, for Allah's sake, you know, I don't even think Muslims do that. But if they did, what difference would it make? Allah is not a name to be respected. Jesus Christ is a name to be respected, and people should be careful how they use it. And also God is a generic name. His name is Yahweh. 
And, and even that supposition on our point, you know, because there wasn't the Hebrew vowel points, you know, Y-H-W-H, it was a four-letter word, the tetragrammaton. It, it just means a four-letter word, the, it's, but it's the four-letter word. And it's such a revered four-letter word that when the ancient scribes would be writing translations of Scripture and they would come to that hallowed name of God, they'd go out, change their clothes, take a bath, and come back with new clothes. That's, you say, man, what the, isn't that kind of over the top? Isn't he worth it? Yes, he most certainly is. So uh, taking the Lord's name in vain is something that we as Christians should definitely be sensitive to. See, I'm already getting ahead of my notes. I'm, I'm, I'm just reading through here. And uh, again, that fat man going through the barbed wire fence just here and there. So, you know, we hear people uh, say this when they're stressing a point. For instance, if somebody, and, and, and by the way, I don't think that I hear Christians saying this too much, but it seems that people outside of our faith, people that don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, when they're really trying to convince you of something, they will invoke the Lord's name. For instance, they'll say, uh, you know, uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet you there, you know, so help me God, or, you know, God help me, or, you know, just something like that. And, and really, that is a vain usage of his name. You know, people shouldn't have to uh, take the name of the Lord, even though they're just saying God, we know who they're talking about. And it's as if they have to say that just to back up their word, because their word's not dependable in the first place. You know, or it, it's even worse when people do it out of meanness or vindictiveness. Yeah. That guy will never get away with that again. I'll kill him. And then they'll say something like, I swear to God, I'll kill him. You know, we, you know, you hear people say this and, you know, we ought to get a, a chill up our spine, you know, because uh, uh, we're told clearly, you don't be doing that. You don't swear to God. And, you know, all of these verses, as we have mentioned before, I didn't write them on the board yet, but all of these uh, Ten Commandments, except for the one on the Sabbath day, are reiterated and intensified and amplified in the New Testament. And this one also you know, is intensified. Now, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain, I'm going to introduce something here. This has bothered me. I don't know that it has ever bothered anyone else, but I've wondered, and I'm glad that I don't have to go to court for a lot of things, and any time I've been to court, uh, I haven't been challenged to do this, but it has concerned me because I take the Bible serious and I take the Lord's word serious when he says, don't you swear on anything, you know, uh, uh, on God's name or anything else. Or, you know, uh, and and to, to be made to swear on the Bible, which we all know, this is, this is the usual uh, 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 routine that goes in, uh, you know, that happens in court. And, you know, they put a stick of Bible in front of you, they put your right hand, raise your hand, do you swear to tell the whole truth? So help you God. Now, Christians shouldn't have to do that because we know what this Bible says. Don't swear on anything. And, uh, you know, it's as if we're saying, you know, you can really trust me now. You know, you can really believe me now. You know, the rest of the time, don't take anything I say seriously. But right now, I mean it. I'm swearing on the word of God. I'm not so sure I could do it. Well, as I was preparing for this over the last uh, couple of months, I talked to a couple of lawyers. Christian lawyers. I even talked to one Christian judge, and I just wanted to ask him, I said, what do you think about this? And I talked to other Christians, older, mature Christians, and uh, I was kind of surprised with the feedback that I got. They really didn't think it was that big, bad of a deal. You know, they said, hey, you know, and, and you know, in fact, several have, you know, people involved in the legal profession have said, you know, 
they won't make you do that if you mention it respectfully to the judge. But then again, it depends on the judge. You know, you may come across a judge who will, will want to make an example out of you. Oh, you, you ain't going to do that? We're going to throw you in jail. They can do that. But uh, I guess it depends on your level of conviction and how seriously you feel about this. But what they did say we can do is affirm. You know, we don't have to say, I swear. You know, we could say, I affirm. And uh, I would prefer just to quote the verse. You know, uh, Your Honor, I'm sorry, you know, but you're asking me to put my hand on that holy, I believe it's a holy word of God, and raise my hand and swear upon it when the Lord of this book tells me, don't do that. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So the word that you have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing this out and, and hopefully you won't have to use it, but you, know, you may have to use it sometime, is affirm. You can say to the court, yes, Your Honor, uh, you know, because of my convictions, what this word of God says, uh, I, I, I can't swear upon it. My Lord and Savior tells me not to swear upon it, but I can affirm to you that I will tell the truth. And I guess that, you know, that would probably go over better than if we said, well, Your Honor, you know, Jesus said, let your yes be yes. I'm telling you yes. That ought to be enough. <laughs> we might ought to be careful how we snap back at a, at a judge because he may say, well, <laughs> we're going to make an example out of you. And I, I never really have wanted to volunteer for an apostolic prison ministry, but uh, that could still happen. <laughs> and, and, I, and I wouldn't be an apostle either. I'd just be a, uh, an unfortunate uh, individual. Now, the uh, one verse that I wrote upon here to uh, kind of give us a hook for this, these two commandments are uh, the use of our words are so important. We know the Bible says, by our words we are justified. We like that part but by our words we are condemned. That's just something that we should remember. And it's the Word of God. Hear it. You know, one thing I've loved and appreciated that I hear in this church very often, especially when Ligon Duncan was here. Man, now that guy's got a preaching voice. When he got up there and he said, this is the Word of the Lord, hear it. I mean, you know, you take it serious, you know, when someone says it with that authority. This is the Word of our God, hear it. And, and I think we ought to hear that. <laughs> by our words we're justified, and by our words we're condemned. And we should be... Every idle word... You ever meditate on that verse? Every idle word. That gives me cause for concern, because there's a lot of idle words that just fly out of there. And uh, especially when I'm watching the news. I mean, it, it, it's... It, it, here lately, it has... Uh, uh, Sometimes I have to pray, Lord, forgive me. I, I, uh, it's very concerning, things that we see that are going on right now. I'm going to give you another example. Uh, you remember when Pharaoh finally, <laughs> what a slow learner he was, <laughs> had to go through all those plagues before he finally said, Go! You Jews, get out of here! Pharaoh said something that I think and, and, and this can be contested, but I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing this out, because I think that people that are not of the faith, and whether it's of the Hebrew faith that we're talking about during the time of the ancient children of Israel during the Exodus, or whether it's people now, they ask for the Lord to bless them when they have no right to ask for any blessings. And Pharaoh did that. It's a, uh, 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 it, it, it struck me as, as one of those, what, what nerve? What chutzpah? Everybody here familiar with the word chutzpah? It's a, it's a Yiddish word, and it means unmitigated gall. What nerve? If you want to know what chutzpah is, there was this teenage kid 
who uh, killed both of his parents. And they knew that he did it, and they, they dragged him into court. He was found guilty, and during the sentencing, he approached a judge, and he said, Your Honor, could you please go easy on me? I'm an orphan. <laughs> That's chutzpah. <laughs> what nerve? How dare you? And uh, I would say for, for, for Pharaoh, uh, how dare him when he's finally letting the children of Israel go and he cared nothing about their God. I mean, he said things to that effect. I don't know about your God, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm the big cheese here. I'm the Pharaoh. I'm, I'm the top dog. But yet, as they were going, he said to Moses, bless me also. I think he had a lot of nerve to ask that. And I think that's another way, even though he didn't invoke the name of the Lord, just for people to try and cash in on some of God's blessings when they have no right to them is a way of our taking the Lord's name in vain. And then all the other ways, you know, that will callously throw things out. And, you know, people will say things like, so help me God, or they're swearing to God. And it's uh, just insensitive and uh, crude. And uh, our Lord and Savior deserves more than that. I think I said this already. I'll say it again. Uh, whenever we hear someone that will callously, disrespectfully mention the name of Jesus Christ, whether they say something like, you know, for Christ's sake, you say, we can say that, but we say it reverently. I mean, I want to study the Word. I want to be involved in God's kingdom business for the sake of my Lord and Savior. You know, that sounds so much more respectful and reverent rather than the way it's dragged through uh, our, our common vernacular, and people will just say, and it has nothing to do with the sake of Christ or his sacrifice or his redeeming of us, you know, but they'll just say, oh, for Christ's sake. I mean, you know, it's such a horrifying, horrible thing for people to do that, and it's taking our Lord's name in vain, and uh, I don't know how I can plant this in your heart like it was planted in my heart. But that line right there in verse 7 of Exodus chapter 20, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. That's serious business. And we should take the word of the Lord seriously. So that's just a couple of passing observations on taking the Lord's name uh, in vain. And now you know what chutzpah is. Uh, Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. Practically all societies have recognized uh, this principle and uh, adjure all witnesses in court, you know, to swear, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, Thou shalt not bear false witness against our neighbor. This is the technical uh, judicial expression of not lying. Now, we know, without going through an uh, ex exhaustive study of every place the Bible mentions lying, we know lying is not right. And if you just want one hook to remember how bad it is, Jesus called the devil the father of lies. That ought to be enough right there. We should not want to have anything to do with it. I remember when my wife and I first got married, coming on 44 years ago, I made a promise to her that I've never made to any other girl. And I didn't have that many. I wanted a whole lot more than I had, but I, I, I wasn't able to rack up that many. I just, <laughs> no woman in her right mind would have a, a jerk like me. Finally talked her into it. And uh, <laughs> I remember telling my wife, honey, I'll never lie to you. And I, I, I will confess to you, 
as a Christian brother, and you know we're all of the faith. Uh, man, I'll tell you, there would have been some times where that would have made my life a whole lot easier if I just could have told her a little lie. And uh, you know the thing about how we justify ourselves, you know, and I really believe the more education we have, the more Christian knowledge we have, the more ways our desperately wicked, depraved heart figures out ways to justify ways around it. And uh, because we, it, it's in us, it's, it, it's part of our nature. Uh, we know we're not supposed to lie, but, but, but Lord, you, you understand this. I mean, I'm going to spare my way. I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to tell her. And uh, it just works out better that way if you just keep it all out in the open. And uh, as I said, boy, there would have been times when it just would have been easier just to uh, say this little thing. I have some comments in here about a white lie. Uh, who sold that lie about a white lie? As a matter of fact, with our political correct woke crowds, I'm surprised somebody hadn't complained about that. How dare you say a white lie? What do you mean, white lie's okay, but a black lie ain't? <laughs> It's coming. I'm sure someone's going to raise a protest about that. You know, what is it, you know, that makes a, a white light? Well, I'll, I think I have some comments here in my notes. I'll, I'll wait until I get to that. Now, lying is such a, an easy thing to do. You ever notice that kids don't have to be taught how to lie? They just catch on because we're desperately wicked. It's a, our, our, our hearts are so crooked, and, you know, if, if, if they're not straightened out by a redemptive experience with our Savior, it just gets worse the older we get. And we've all known people that by the time they died, they were so crooked, they could have screwed them in the ground instead of buried them. I mean, you know, people are just crooked, and they're desperately wicked, and that's just, that's just what becomes of them. And it starts at an early age, because a lie, all you have to do is just, Say something. I think it's easier than any other commandment to break, except for this one. I mean, if you break this commandment, or any commandment, you're automatically breaking the first one. So nobody's guilty of only breaking one, you know, one commandment. You know, oh, well, you know, oh, you just steal a little bit once in a while. Nope, you've already broken this one. So, you know, they're all connected, and, uh, and, and, and they're also connected to these seven deadly sins, which uh, I still get a kick out of. I, I, I was doing a series on these years ago, and I was telling one of, my, one of my Protestant pastor friends, yeah, I'm doing a series on the seven deadly sins, and he said, oh, that's Catholic. And <laughs> I got a kick out of that. Oh, really? <laughs> that's a Catholic thing. Lust, envy, greed, <laughs> sloth. Man, I'm glad I'm a Protestant. I guess I don't have to worry about any of those things. No, it's, it's, it's just the way, you know, because it's generally, you know, uh, matriculated into the uh, Catholic theology and, you know, their hierarchy of sins. You know, you get your venial sins and your moral sins. You know, some are really bad. You know, some are not that bad. But, uh, yeah, they're really bad. And, and I do see that there is a, a real correlation between a lot of these, uh, you know, these seven deadly sins and the Ten Commandments. I mean, you know, you could relate them uh, some way or another. And if we have time at the end of this series, we may just take a, an amusing little comparison into these. Uh, how, how easily kids learn how to lie. We had a, a little guy growing up in our church. I, I guess, what was Matt, like six, seven years old? Five, just starting. And uh, I didn't tell my wife I was going to tell the story, but she knows the one I'm going to tell. Well, he, uh, this poor kid, this family, the mother deserted 
the three children at a very young age. And this guy was just two years old, I think, when, when, when the mother left. And the father was raising them uh, by themselves. So, so my mother, uh, my mother, my wife was a mother to those kids, very much so, which is the typical thing that happens in small churches. And my wife was a good mother to these kids. So when this little guy started going to school, and uh, he seemed to have this problem of, of fabricating. It, it, it just seemed to come real easy to him. And uh, he came home, uh, or he came to church sometime, and, and he, he wanted to impress my wife that he was learning the alphabet. And he started going through the alphabet, A, B, C, you know, you know, and, and, and he got them all out of order, you know, A, B, C, you know, L, M, N, O, P. And my wife said, no, 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 Matt, that's, that's, that's not the right order. He, and he said, no, no, this is another one. Yes. Five, six years old. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Just, this is another one? <laughs> this is another outfit? <laughs> Sometimes it's for the sake of pride. You know, we will lie or... Uh, and, and, and even at such a young age, you know, we, we still laugh about that, how he, he said, no, no, this is another one. So uh, it's a thrill. There's a thrilling, carnal something that goes on inside of us when we can get away with something by lying. You know, the, uh, the Bible makes mention in more than one place Moses, especially one who said he, he, he didn't want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He knew there was something better. There is a pleasure and a thrill that is involved with our telling lies. Because you get away with something and you think, well, good for me, man. I, I, uh, I dodged that bullet, you know, just because I, I told this lie. And, uh, of course, Christians... Christians that are walking in the Spirit, living by faith, walking by faith. If you're praying regularly, if you meditate on the Word of God and just take some time to meditate when you're praying, the Lord's going to let you know. I mean, He's going to thump you. Hey, don't you even be trying that. You know, who do we think we are, you know, that we can get away with something like that? There's a, a little triplet here that's uh, been mentioned about sin, and I think it could definitely be a, a applied to lying and it goes like this. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll take you further than you want to go. And it starts sometimes with a simple prevarication, a simple lie. And I always go back to what Abraham Lincoln said. I think it's one of his great, pithy, really worthwhile to remember statements. He said, if a man's going to be a liar, Man, he better have a good memory. Because when we get involved in lying, and if you lie to this person about something, you got to remember the next time you're talking to them, well, what did I tell them? <laughs> and it really becomes a burden. You know, uh, our senior pastor, what a, what a great man of God. I, I really love Bob Fuller. He was teaching his uh, pastor's Bible study this past Thursday here in this room, and he just mentioned in passing something about the Ten Commandments. And he said that every one of these commandments has a positive counterpart. And I mean, I'm, I'm sitting out there and I heard that and I said, man, why didn't I think of that? You know, how you, you know this guy just accidentally spits stuff out and it's more substantive you know, than, than stuff that I'm spending all week studying on. And, and he was really uh, uh, accurate about that, how all of these, even though they're strong Hebrew negations, and I told you, in Hebrew, if you'd ever read these in Hebrew, there's no doubt about it, God means business. When he says not, 
shalt thou have any other God. That, that Hebrew negation is, is the first word in the order of the sentence, even though you're reading it backwards, it's like a punch in the face. It is it really, I, I told you, back in the, 30 years ago, I was reading in Hebrew, I was thinking in Hebrew, I was immersed in the language. I hadn't been too immersed since then, but I, 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 at least I remember how traumatizing it was. And, uh, you know, no graven images, not thou shalt take the Lord's name in vain. There's no doubt about it. But what Bob Fuller brought out so eloquently, I mean, even in just passing, he didn't even know what he was, you know, how profound it was what he was saying. And I asked him about it after the study. And he said, yeah. He said, every one of these have a positive counterpart. You know, so I knew that we were going to be, you know, talking about bearing false witness. And I said, well, you know, like, for instance, you know, thou shalt not bear false witness. I did a positive. And he said, yeah. He said, you know, we're free to live by the truth. You know, every one of these, if you think about it, you know, no coveting. It's not because the Lord's trying to keep us from something. It's because he wants to keep us from that constant cookie monster inside of us that always has to have something else. You just can't be satisfied with what you have. Uh, Haddon Robinson was uh, the great homiletic, the dean of homiletics for evangelical uh, seminaries. He wrote the book that's probably used more than any other place. I heard him say one time, preaching on covetousness, that covetousness is just wanting more and more of what you already have enough of. And what a great thing it is to be satisfied with what you have. And I'm, Jesus even narrowed it down and said, having food and clothes, be content. But we, know we always have to have more. And it's just part of our, part of our uh, uh, nature to covet. And I, I didn't mean to lapse back into coveting. It's just because it's so typical. Yes, sir. The triplet again? Yeah. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will take you further than you want to go. Now, that's true for all sin, but especially even for lying. You know, uh, you, know you can just start off with a, a simple little prevarication, and the next thing you know, you've got to back it up, and it snowballs, and it, and it just gets bigger and bigger, and the next thing you know, you don't remember what you lied about, and man, you, you're going to be in a world of hurt and embarrassment. It's just a horrible thing. The Lord wants to free us from that, so therefore, He says, don't, aid, don't even get close to it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, and if you have an embarrassing thing, you've got to confess to your spouse, get it over with! <laughs> You might as well get it over with before it turbocharges and gets any worse. You know, you know what happens. You know, you let stuff go for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and the next thing you know, oh, honey, I got to tell you, <laughs> oh, that's miserable. Just get it over with in the first place. Get prayed through and kiss and make up, and uh, hopefully it'll be okay. I uh, got to leave you with one little thought. You know, we talk to a lot of people that are somewhat on the peripheral of the faith, and uh, the one thing that's very uh, common is uh, how people are always looking for ways to justify themselves. And I remember something that Dr. Skate said. I've heard him say it a couple of times, and, and I like it. It really simplifies the world of religion. He says there's only two kinds of religions. There's the gospel of faith and everything else. Isn't that the way you said it? Gospel of grace. That's what I meant to say. I just, my heart was right, but my head's disconnected. Yeah, the gospel of grace, by faith, through faith, and everything else. You know, it's either God coming down to us or us trying to make our way to God. And uh, we hear people all the time that will somehow try to justify themselves and, you know, I'm not that bad. And I, I think this is a clear way that we could tell if people are really in the faith or not. Are they trying to justify themselves and tell you how bad they're not? 
Because if you approach a Christian, and I think all of us here would agree, the first thing we're going to say is, I don't know why God was so good to me. Because we're aware of our inner badness, and God is so good. And why would he pick me? And that's it's a good thing to be awestruck by that. But this one guy was telling me, you know, and he's trying to justify himself, and he said, well, you know, I only tell one lie a year. And I got to thinking. <laughs> I thought about that for months after he said, one lie a year. And then it dawned on me, well, what if that was his one lie for the year? <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> Matter of fact, I kind of thought it was. <laughs> and uh, of course, how are you going to know? And, you know, of course, we're not on top of everyone. You know, we're not the, you know, the truth police. But I'll tell you what, we serve one who is. And uh, we had better be prepared to stand before the Lord. Just uh, two more quotes. And I was going to save uh, who the author was about this, but Ron Skates told my, stole my fire last week. Uh, I'm, I was reading, reading this book. It's, it's a, uh, an interpretive commentary on the Ten Commandments written by Joy Davidman. And, you know, mo most people don't know who she is, but Skates had to spit it out. It's, she was the wife of C.S. Lewis. Uh, I think for the last three and a half years of his life. I don't think that they were married that long. But uh, she makes some interesting comments, and I just wanted to read two of them in our closing here this morning. This is having to do with bearing uh, false witness. And yet it is still, po I'm quoting now, and yet it is still possible that we tell the most fundamental lies that we lie to ourselves about ourselves. Not for profit or power, but for pride. This is really right on. It is, it is possible that in the secret places of our minds, we deny our sins. That's just, why do we do that? Because we're twisted. We're still desperately, you know, totally depraved. I know that's not a complimentary thing, but get used to it. <laughs> it's, it's just what we are. And just one other one here. Actually, of course, as anyone who has experienced conversion knows, the Christian is the only man who does not go around all the time feeling guilty. This is interesting. For him, sin is a burden he can lay down. He can admit it, repent, and be forgiven. It is the unfortunate creature who denies the existence of sin in general, or his own in particular, who must go on carrying it forever. Now, that's just a, a, a really pithy, brilliant turn of a phrase. I wish I could talk like, like her, especially like her husband, C.S. Lewis, but you know, some of us just, you know, we don't have a gift with... So, don't lie. <laughs> don't take the Lord's name in vain. How dare you? How dare us ever do anything like that? Father, please help us, Lord, to take your word serious. Help us, Lord, to, to reverence your presence as we, as we visit these ten words, this, this fundamental, foundational set of laws, O oh Lord, and, and sins that we should at all costs avoid. I pray, Father, you'd help us to do it and do all this for your glory and give you all the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we agree together. Amen. 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 I'm not sure that that's everything, but... Uh, one thing I do know, all of these comments that we've made about these Ten Commandments, each of these commandments could be dealt with over a whole semester. That's for sure, because there's so much in there. And, you know, when you ruminate, you know, the more you chew on it, the longer it lasts. And 
God's word is like that. So I would tell you, Selah, think about it, chew on it, and let the Lord minister to your heart. We are officially finished. Amen.